especially in the tech world as well, that like, you know, you can't, you don't have to be a particular way or mold yourself to the environment around you, but instill mold the environment according to your needs. And mm -hmm. that's what I want to do and pass on to other people as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chai with Rai, a life and culture podcast diving into the mindset and the business of being a creative. I am your host, Rai, and each week I bring you a guest or a fruitful message from the creative industry, all while sipping and spilling some hot garam chai. Now, if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you are streaming this podcast from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast, comment and share it on your stories and social and spread the word. It organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before. And overall, as I always say, it just shares the love. Also, if you haven't done so already, you can now become a patron, aka a supporter of Chai with Rai by signing up on Patreon for £5 or as I love saying it in this accent, $5.50. I will put a link of that in the description of this episode. So make sure to check that out. But without further ado, let's warm up our cuppers and let's dive into today's episode with artist and principal engineer at Huawei, Dhruv Dodi. Before we get into deep, meaningful conversations, I like to do rapid round. I can put a timer on this, which used to be five seconds, but I feel like I'm trying to be generous with people. And what I'll just say is be quick. So okay. I'm just gonna throw some questions at you and the rule is rule of three. So if it was to be like for a practice round, what are three things you do in the morning when you wake up? First three things that you do, you would say. Hug my dog, look for my cats. And in fact, have a kara. I like to start my day with a kara. Like this thing started with Corona and it's thick. I still like it. Love I like it. the Corona. Well, it's still around. Let's make yeah. it a comeback. That bitch is never going to leave us alone. But I like to have a kara before I have my tea. <laughs> Nuts. Okay. I think you'll be good. I think you'll be good. I don't need to do a five second rule for you where I literally just do this and you'll freak out. <laughs> All right. Cool. This is a question I, this is a game I made up with my friends and I think it's really hilarious because it tests your skills of what you are, the bare minimum skills. So imagine the world is ending. It's zombie apocalypse, okay? Because I watched Resident Evil recently and I think it's a brilliant film. What are three things you're bringing to the table as in like practical things or whatever skills that you have that is going to save humanity and you from not becoming a zombie. No, I don't want to survive in that world. I will rather die. Kill me first. I don't want to live in that. I've seen enough of those movies. Nothing ends good. I'll look for a good sari, put on a nice makeup and like in a nice little pretty zombie and dead. Who wants to survive in that world? Hello. This world is difficult to survive in. Can you imagine surviving in post-apocalyptic? No, leave me yeah, alone. but you're saving humanity. No, you I don't think so. The humanity needs saving. Like, let's like, just kill. Like, what the hell? I think we give it too much importance. I think that's the best answer I've had. People, people are usually like, I can swim really, really good. I can cook. I can fight. And I'm like, okay, great. I don't want to do any of those things. I'm sorry. <laughs> Fab. All right, you're doing a TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. By the way, I watched one of your um 50 minute corporate techie YouTube where you have like half shaved and like a pony and things like that. Uh, things like that, a pony. And I watched that and I really think you should do a TEDx talk, by the way, if you haven't done it, you can nominate yourself if you don't know you, people can nominate you. But imagine you're doing a TEDx talk. Mm -hmm. What are three things that you're covering in that TEDx talk? Go. Uh, saris, being non-binary, and how tech has impacted us okay. in both positive and negative ways. This is more of a philosophical question, but what are three questions one should ask themselves to bring purpose and confidence into their life? Did, how did we jump from that question to this? <laughs> Don't worry, we're going to go back to like silly questions, but yeah. Okay. So... Uh, my philosophy is like, you have to question everything. Like there are so many things that we just take for granted. And I start by like, you know, if I feel something, ask myself, like, why do I feel this way? Right. And why is it impacting me? So this whole thing, my whole personal journey is all about asking questions and breaking things that everybody takes for granted. And just by asking those questions, you go into Deeper. I don't think so. I answered that correctly, but what the hell? Okay, cool. I get it. Question everything. Question everything, even yourself. Yes. And then go cry. Yeah. 
<laughs> okay, this is an interesting thing to get to know you. That what are three cultural or creative things that have impacted your way of being and how you navigate life? Everything rolls back to childhood memories. Like you know, everything that I do right now, there's a reference about like you know how I used to feel when I was a kid about okay. things, about the colors, about the food, about the memories, about the festival. So it's yeah. all sort of reference back things. That's how I look back at any three childish things that call out to you that you're like, oh, no, so see, I'm like, practically, I'm a 41 year old non-binary person so, sitting, giving this interview in a beautiful pink sari. Somebody would say that's childish, but that's my life. Not I don't that. think that's childish. I think that's amazing. I thought we were going to be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's your thing. Music is your thing. Yeah, that is true. No, as in like So I wanted to become a dancer once. This I had my creative idea of this thing, but then the whole non-binary thing happened and I wanted structure in my life. I was like, I'm going to become a techie now because <laughs> I can't do all these creative things that gives me no structure in life. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we got uh, we got uh, four more questions quickly. Let's try and bust through this. Three foods or cuisines you are best known for? Oh, I do a mean Chinese. I lived in Beijing. Okay. That's where, like, you know, I, in fact, somehow I would say that that's where I came out as well. So I left India, went to Beijing, and that's where my come out story and finding myself maybe being first time away from everything. So yeah. Beijing had a huge impact on me. So Chinese food, I cook a mean Chinese, yeah. Anything specific? My favorite things are actually the soups. And the idea would be that I make like a giant soup base. Yeah. And then three weeks, different soups we do from Korea, from uh, something that I remember from uh, Japan, something that I do from China. Mix things up. Like recently I was in Malaysia, bought a lot of samples. Now I'm experimenting using those uh, in my soups. So that's oh. it. I love being creative, not following a recipe. And with soups, you can easily do that. You can just put a bunch of things and figure out where they take you. <laughs> that is true. My only thing is, you know, sometimes uh, if you don't grind it, like if you don't blend it, it's like it becomes very watery. So then you have to add like corn flour or starch or things like that to make it thick. So no, I'm not doing any of the thick soups. I prefer more clear soups, which okay. works very well with noodles. So it's like a one meal. That's what I like. Yeah, but that then becomes like ramen almost. That's like, that's not a soup anymore. So the thing is like, you know, ramen is just, you are associating ramen with just one thing. Like soups from Thailand, for instance, yeah. are very different. And especially when they do things like just coriander, garlic, pepper, three things. Yeah. Nothing else. Yeah. Amazing. Well, they do that in the Philippines as well. Like I love mm. chop suey. And mm. like, I think that's great. That's like basically ginger, soy sauce, and then like a little nice bit of vinaigrette. And then it's just throwing whatever vegetable you want. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This is, should we just talk food? <laughs> um, You are now a pop star. Okay. Mm. You've left. There, there's never been a tacky situation. Nothing like that. You are a pop star. What are three title tracks that are going to be on your album? Give me the title of them. Go. Uh, sorry, not sorry. Uh, uh, sorry, not sorry. What the hell am I? <laughs> it's your album. You do whatever. Uh, maybe like a whole Barbie thing, but in a sorry, because that's the new whole thing. Okay. And again, referencing things back. I'm going to go back and look for the oldest, oldest tracks and yeah. do a pop number of them. Oh, because... you're going to do a Varun Dhawan where he just basically remixes <laughs> everything. That's what I'm going to do. Well, Next old Bollywood diva style in a sari. I'm here for that. And get Varun Dhawan to be in your music video and then boom. And Karan Johar to produce it. And that's it. <laughs> or Sanjay. Which one are we? Karan Johar or Sanjay? Writing my resignation letter right now. <laughs> <laughs> if you had to, Karan Johar or Sanjay Leela Bansali, which one? Or neither? Sanjay. Sanjay. You need that. Okay. All right. Last two questions. Now, I think this is hilarious if this ever happens. And I think it would because I think the world is full of possibilities. You're in a rickshaw, okay? All of a sudden it gets stopped. Rekha jumps in and Noura Fateh jumps in. Okay. Okay, I'm in the middle. Fine. You're in the middle. What three questions are you asking them? 
uh, with Rekha that did you actually fell in love with Amitabh? Because I want to write that filmfare article really bad. <laughs> you know, watch this. Was it Simi Garewal interview? Of course we did. Like, no, Simi tried to grill and her answers, Rekha's answers are timeless. Oh, Agreed. God, amazing. What would I ask Nusrat? Not Nusrat, Noora, Noora. Oh, I thought you had Nusrat. Well, I'm not familiar. Who are you talking about? The the girl who's like, Ishka mehena jena. Okay, I was trying uh, to add contemporary. So maybe I'll, I'll put, <laughs> I'll put, okay, let's put uh, Preeti in there. Preeti Zinta. Yeah. What would I ask Preeti Zinta? Preeti Zinta, I really wouldn't ask anything. I'll talk. keep talking to Rekha. Okay, so you're going to ask, well, give me three questions then, because you ask her about Amitabh and then what else? Oh, I want to know about her past as well. Like, you know, she was a dancer. She grew up in a time. She did not marry. I kind of relate to her. I want to be like that timeless person that she is. How do we want to do that? And I that's think... like the life lessons that she can give you Sorry. on like, you know, aging gracefully. That's Got what it. I want to know. Great. I think she did Odyssey, Odyssey, if I'm correct in saying. No, no, Bharatnatyam, actually. Is that Bharatnatyam? I thought she did Odyssey. No, she's Bharatnatyam. I'm Bharatnatyam. So, yeah. Did you do your um, Arangetam? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. I, uh, I, I grew up in North India. Yes. And uh, there was this uh, series back in the day, uh, which was Ema Malni, a uh, Tuesday a TV series. Uh, that we yes, yes, yes. In love with that. And I told my mom, I wanted to learn Bharatnatyam. My mom was like, we live in this small town, North India, Gwalior. I'm going to just send to Kathak classes. So I went to Kathak. This is not the same. You can't fool me. You can't send me to a Kathak class and say, just learn a dance. I was like, no, I need Bharatnatyam. Find me a Bharatnatyam. There was one teacher. Yeah. In the whole of this. He found it. I studied. I went for Bharatnatyam classes for eight, nine years. Did everything. Okay. And then I really wanted to become a dancer. My yeah. dad was like, okay, if you want to be a dancer, you have to be best at it. I'm going to send you to Madras, go to Kalashetra. So my dad sent me alone. I was seven class, eighth class or whatever, put me in a train. Somebody picked me up in the, in the Chennai station, sent me to Kalashetra. I was so scared of Chennai. This little Punjabi boy never <laughs> been to South India and suddenly in Kalashetra, I was like, I don't want to do this. I'm done. <laughs> okay, dancing dream killed. <laughs> How long did you stay? No, no, I, I, I. They were like, okay, you want to join? Of course, you can join. This is the thing. This is what you do. This is gonna be your school. This is yeah. where you're gonna stay. And I was like, I was scared shitless. I was like, okay, I don't want to do this. I send me back. So I was like, I back. I continued dancing, but my yeah. dream of becoming a professional dancer was like done. Like I can't deal with this. <laughs> I still think you can do it if you want to. I'm just saying, you never know. <laughs> I, I feel like I love Bharatnatyam, but I couldn't learn it at this age now. Like, I really couldn't. Because yeah, your, bo your body's set now. And like my Aramandi, for the sake of it, just no, I, I'm good. And then like, you know, if you do Bharatnatyam as a kid, you can't really act anymore. Like yeah. my expressions are so Bharatnatyam. Like whenever I used to be in plays, like everything was like this. Like, can you just act normal? It's like, this is normal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, last question. The world is ending again, okay? But this time it's flooding. Going on a spaceship, which is going to take you away and save you. But you have literally two minutes to pack up your life. What three saris are you taking with you? Oh my God, I, this is going to literally kill me. This is my nightmare. You can only take three saris. <laughs> this is my nightmare. Okay, but if I have to pick, yeah, I think I'll save all three of my mom's saris. Yeah. Uh, because that's how the whole journey started. And I have like, you no know, various of them, but there are the ones that I really, really, really like. Yeah. I have memories associated with them. I have, I remember my mom, not so much as like, why? Because I have memories. And I remember my mom wearing them and me just taking the pallus and <laughs> doing the kids things that we used to do. And then like, you know, I want those saris to survive. And uh, that's how the whole my sari journey started with the whole idea of like, oh, something needs to happen to these beautiful saris. They shouldn't just be in a cupboard and not being worn. So I was like, I'm going to do it. <laughs> well, let's get into my recent interaction with you, which I went to the sari exhibition at the Design Museum here in London. How did that come to be? How do you feel about it? And what I loved is like, I followed you on Instagram and cause I want, I had like all these saris that came into my life through like shoots and stuff like that. And I was like, 
I want to do something with it. And I started following a couple of people. And I think like, it's so amazing. You talked about like, you're in your 40s, but the impact that you have, like you're in an exhibition space. That is, that is astounding. Do you, ha have you taken that in at all? And also you haven't publicized about it, which I'm really annoyed with. <laughs> I think those guys from the museums reached out to me and they were like, we want to do this and we want to talk about saris and continues. Like, yeah, that's my deal. I love this. Of course, pick whatever you want. They picked the image that they liked. Which I was like, I wonder why. Like, I don't know. And like, that's why it's so weird that whenever anybody asks me to pick photos and when I ask them, like, look at Instagram and pick, it's never the same. Like people look at the saris and they all have a different idea and that's what they want to capture. And that's perfect. So I was like, yeah, fine. That's actually a very nice sari. It was a beautiful day out. We were by the pool having lunch. That's where that sari came from. Everybody was wearing sort of green. So it's beautiful. Yeah. So now coming back to your question, they reached out. <laughs> Yeah. And they were like, we want to feature, uh, I was like, go look for an image. And then I think six months it took for them to collect everything. So I completely forgot about it until people started posting. I'm like, oh, the images are actually up. And uh, this is how it is. I was like, yeah, it looked really nice. Showed it to my dad. My dad was very happy. He was like, yay, <laughs> that's really nice. He was like, why this image? He was like, I don't know. They picked it. Don't ask me. <laughs> because I would have the hardest time if somebody says, Put this one image of yourself yeah. up there. I have the worst editing skills. That's why all I have such a big Instagram account because I can't delete photos. But I'm like, do something with everything that I've taken, put it out there, and I can't really pick. I'm very bad at picking. Surely it must go back to like your first interaction with it, which obviously it was in childhood playing around with your mom's, but like <laughs> later on after she passed away the the first moment did you ever like take do you remember taking your first picture in a sari as like let's say as an adult so the thing my sari journeys isn't being like you know just black and white because i was a dancer i was used to wearing saris yeah Maybe more a dancer drape sometimes more in like as a dhotis thing as this and even like you know fancy dress you know like you know i lived in india we all done fancy dress i've been in a dadi a kamwali a <laughs> so we have done all that in school fancy dresses it wasn't something that i wasn't it was more like this you're not dressing up this is who you are mm. and that wasn't black and white that was gradual and that's why like you know for me as well like many people think that what i do is drag and i was like no it's not really I'm not doing a persona. This is exactly me. And that's why some, I could actually do drag, but I'm so afraid of like, you know, people thinking what I do as a persona. I was like, no, this is not a persona. This is real drove. A real drove dresses like this. And it's not an act. It's not something for the stage. It's not, I have two personalities. No, this is me. So this okay. is the whole package. Yeah. And then also, if you have you seen the exhibition, would you uh, would you like to go? Do you know where it's going next? I, I doubt it's going to come in my part of the world, though I was in London some time back last year. Yeah. So just like, you know, I, I don't know where they're going next. And let's see. Wasn't it at that big exhibition, that center that opened, which all the celebrities went to, the the rich people in India? Uh, no, no, not the Mumbai one. I'm forgetting the name. Like, yeah, it's the, not, not coming not, there. Not Abu Jani. What was it? Uh, oh, my God. What's her name? Nita Ambani? Yeah, that's it. That's it. And she's a dancer herself. So, yeah, there you go. I think, like, you know, that's the thing. I wonder how the reception in India would be. Because in India, it's like, even the, the sari thing in India, even though we think of it as it's dying, it's not really dying. Mm. The saris are surviving. It's going to always survive. The problem is, like, the perception of people's sari as, oh, it's a festival wear now. Or it's a wedding wear. Or I'm going to do it for special occasions only, which is kind of weird. Like saris is an everyday thing. We have seen people wear saris every day. We still continue to see people wear sari every day. What I have, this thing is like, you know, sari wearing, especially in like, you know, upper classes has become like, and the idea of Bollywood even, like mm. make saris as sexy. Like saris <laughs> still be like, you know, feminine. Or yeah. it's just a piece of cloth. You drape it how you want to. Agreed, agreed. So what's the that's the beauty of killing the beauty of sari by making it just one thing do one thing. I think people have a Taj heritage almost to it. Like I remember when I've talked about it, things here like even when I wear kurtas here or like I wear like dhotis or I wear like lengas here. It's there's so much like 
emphasis oh it must be something special for you to wear it and I'm like no just feels nice and I want to wear it it's there's like like, there's nothing it'll be the same as you wanting to wear like I don't know British people wanting to wear corsets and like those pantaloon things or stuff or suits I think there should be a normalization of no but like I would not even equate saris to those things because I think saris are living garments in the sense like you would think of like you know 18th century the way people used to wear that's not a sari saris continues to survive and they will continue to survive Provide we continue to innovate with saris. And even if you think about where I have a hardest time dealing with people is when they think of the current way that we saris are culture. But no, saris have been worn in so many different ways. It's in fact the most restrictive at this moment of time that all of us wear one way the saris with the pallu going this way only. That's how you associate a saris with. And most of the people try to wear the sari in one type of a way, where there are so many different drape styles that people are just letting go of. And even when we think of history of the sari, in fact, it's so fascinating that how the whole blouse and the petticoat came into being. It's all British Raj and the British clubs <laughs> yeah. that made that happen. And it's so fascinating. And now people come in, sometimes I'm wearing a sari without a blouse. Wear a blouse, it's against your culture. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what what are you talking about why you don't even wear a petticoat you just tie a sari that's against indian culture what are you talking about? <laughs> wait so did you dive into the history of it or did it just it just came naturally to be inquisitive about it yeah it came like you know i i had no idea about the petticoat being like you know uh it came because of the british clubs and yeah. the indian women who wanted to go to the british clubs were the way the saris and in, in fact our saris changed because saris used to be very thin muslin, which was kept only for like, you know, where the women enclosures are. They are anyway not going to deal with men from the outside. So they used to wear these very fine, thin saris. That changed because women had to step out of the houses. And the kind of fabric that people use for the saris changed with time. And saris evolved. And we hope that sari will continue to evolve. So I got into it when I started myself. Like, yeah, you got inquisitive and you are learning about it. And Instagram keep popping information and then you <laughs> going into rabbit holes. Oh, I didn't know about that. <laughs> Do people reach out to you? I'm I'm trying to understand. We're going to get onto your tech work as well with Huawei. Yeah. Do people reach out to you? Do you get sponsorships? Like, does that happen? Because like you have a poll. It's not like you don't have a poll. You have a poll. In my case, it's like, and I'm sort of like, like there are proper Sari influencers. Yeah, And this, I'm somewhere in the middle. Like, you know, I'm sort of like, like I do get once in a while, like, you know, oh yeah, Pride Collection, you do this thing and come do a drape class here and there. Nothing big and nor do I have, like, this is not my main thing. So I sometimes have to say no as well because of the time commitment and travel and all the other things as well. So I also like to keep it low key. I don't really want to be like a full-time, like, you know, become a sari celebrity. No, that isn't me. This is just something normal. This is what I like to do. It's not something that I'm doing it for sort of like, you know, Instagram or influencing or any of that. That's just byproduct of. But I think that's just fascinating because that becomes the, that becomes the the standard for a lot of people. I'm very fascinated with like this whole social media structure that it pays into like creative mindset with that. You can earn income through that. Like that can sometimes also be more than, like your day-to-day job, which then brings me on to this fact, where does your fascination for tech come from? Because when I hear you talking about saris, when I hear you talking about these things, you have such a passion about it. But I also heard passion when I heard you talking about inclusivity and tech, but where does that come from? And how did you end up in your current position where you are? Are you still at Huawei or you're not? Yeah, 20 years. I've been with them. That's why my first company. Your pension with... package should really be looking good right now is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so a uh, funny story. Uh, my dad's family business is actually police uniforms. Yeah. So we have like, you know, we have doing army uniforms, police, police uniforms for ages in our family. And after the whole Bharatnatyam thing got over, I wanted to do designing. I got into the fashion design schools as well. I had a choice between do engineering one, three engineering colleges, fashion school, uh, business school, a dairy farmer, best one in Punjab for some oh, reason. Oh. I was one of those things, apply everywhere and then we'll figure out what to do. So I was that kid. 
So oh. I did everything, applied everywhere and see. And then I had to make a choice. I was leaning towards going fashion for a minute. It was not the best course. Like I didn't get into the best uh, national fashion thing, but I was still like, you know, I was getting into a competitive course related to fashion, but not pure fashion designing. And I was thinking, should I do this? And then I overheard my dad say that, oh, beta, he wants to do designing. Okay, let him try. If nothing else, we have so many darjis, he can continue the family business. And that scared the hell out of me. We're designing police uniforms. <laughs> like, you know, there are darjis, he'll be in the field. Like, whatever he learns, it's going to be useful. It's not going to go for the waste. So I was like, no, I'm going to so do engineering and go far away from here. <laughs> so I did engineering only because of that. And then when I did engineering, apparently I was good at it. Like I was like, I was an okay student. I was never like, you know, as in like failing or like, you know, struggling. I was, I was like, okay. But yeah. in college, when I said, this is what I want to do. And I've decided that I'm going to be this. Then something kicked in and I'm like suddenly topping in my university. And my dad is freaking out. Like we have sent him to some weird engineering school where this person is topping now. Like what the hell? <laughs> so then I did a proper engineering for four years got employed, woman I got employed came out because I think that was also in back of your hand, like you study, yeah. make sure that you can study, make sure you're this thing, you haven't told anyone, be prepared if your parents disown you, you have money, be practical. <laughs> <laughs> All those things were somehow in your back of your mind, fueling my engineering mindset. And yeah. somehow when I got into it, I was like, yeah, I like this. This is something that I'm good at which matters to me a lot. Like, and you know, I didn't really don't want to do something that I wasn't good at mm. and where I had like, you know, so doing this really gave me structure. And then I was like, okay, yeah, this is it. This is, and I like the idea that I do something which I'm not going to say I'm unpassionate about, but this is not my, like, you know, this is, not, I'm not dreaming about it. Mm. It's something that I, like if tomorrow somebody says this world is over for you, you can't go do this job anymore. I was like, fine, okay. And I had a good run. It's fine. And I really like my job to be exactly that, not define me. Because mm. I think we take our jobs way too seriously. And I like the idea of having this thing that this is something that I do. It doesn't define me. I'm good at it. I want to continue doing it. But I could still be passionate about 10 different things without worrying about money and this and 10 like you no know, drama in your life. So that's how I ended up in this. And it kind of clicked for me. Like, And I think some of us, especially who were creative early on, like, you know, we do try to romanticize creativity too much. And we believe in this artistic struggle and this, that until you have gone through it. <laughs> there's, and I have art friends, like artistic friends who are really good at things. There are times when I think like, maybe I should have, like that thing always happens in your back of your mind, but then you come back like, this isn't you. You mm. craved structure and that's why you picked the things and the life decisions that you took it kind of makes sense for you. And I was like, yeah, I think I agree. So my question in that would be, how, how did that mindset come to be? Like, was there a defining moment for it? And then also, I think it's something so interesting that you said, what you do shouldn't define you. And I'm so sometimes struggling with that because like I'm into this artsy mindset where I'm like, no, it's do or die. And it does define me. I have to live, breathe, eat, even when I'm homeless, like do this, even when I'm thriving, do this. Where does that separate, where did that separation and balance come for you then? No, but like, I, I would think that you need it. Like some people- <laughs> I don't know if it. I do anymore, it's too much. I, I, but I know like some of my friends, I really see that for them, this is very important. Mm. And, and the kind of, it drains you, like especially when you're writing, and you have those deadlines and you have kind of way that artistic folks work until you are passionate about it. You can't do it. And for me, I'm not passionate about a meeting. I'll cancel that meeting. Like, you know, if I, <laughs> <can't wait. laughs> Sorry. Uh, uh, I hope my work people are not watching this, but yeah. And I'll, I'll tag, I'll tag Huawei in this. Sponsored <laughs> by Huawei. <laughs> but no, like I really like, and it's so weird that I ended up in a Chinese company of all the things of all the places. And I had this whole Beijing experience. Like, who finds themselves in Beijing? Apparently, I did. <laughs> so I had this weird uh, things that somehow worked out for me, and I was like, happy. How was your um, 
initial interview and how how do you feel like you've progressed in the company i started off as a normal software engineer doing coding and stuff but these days what i do is something called as internet standards yes so there my main role is uh, going to these conferences working on internet standards so if you think about what is internet standards uh, things like http like every browser that you go to on top you write http that's actually a protocol and that protocol decides that how any browser in the world can talk to any server and somebody has to write how those things have to interact with each other so mm-hmm. that's what we do and this thing called as itf which is a standards body and my work at huawei slowly and slowly started moving towards that and since i was i liked it it was like you know yeah you get to travel you have three conferences around the world which is kind of nice and then this part like you know really uh, stuck a chord with me as well because like the internet is so important and sometimes when you talk about some of the choices that we make at the uh, in the internet protocol space that really impacts people's life mm. and, uh, so it's a very important so i started focusing on that as well so i'm right now in something called as an internet architecture board which sometimes looks at the health of the internet overall and how like you know sometimes the government want to take control over it uh, how like you know we are going to react to the changing laws changing legislation basically yeah even environment like environmental impact on the internet and things like global warming and everything so you need to think about those things as well in the internet space so that's how i got uh, involved in and i was like yeah this this is something that i want to continue doing and huawei was supporting me in that so i stick that on How long does it take for you to do a presentation? Well, the presentations I'm not like you know you're thinking of like you know those kind of very tech bros sort yeah, of Yeah, because like the one that I watched that was a very tech bro thing and I was like wow this no, is actually sure really good watch though. Well, because, I'll send it to you after. Uh, so most of my presentations if I'm doing like you no know, when you it's like this is this document these are the edits that we are doing these are the bits in the wire that we are going to modify this flag is this thing but whatever I'm going to do uh the color scheme on my uh, presentation <laughs> is going to be the best <laughs> you know what's interesting when i was watching one of your interviews as well you said something which really struck a chord and uh, although it was 10 years ago i think it was really fascinating on how how much technology has evolved and how we've become so ingrained with it like i was w- watching this article which basically said we are the last generation like millennials are the last generation that have gone through a non a non digital face and a digital face like everybody from now on will be born into a digital face but you said something which was really interesting as i'm trying to detach myself you said tech should not just be internet sh- a paraphrasing i think it was internet or tech either of them should not be just for tech people it should be for the average day people and that was 10 years ago and i was like now it is for everyday person <laughs> and i was like what are you going to say now you're going to be like maybe it shouldn't be for the average day people <laughs> it's a little bit too much kids now know how to code man i don't even know how to code <laughs> and that is a brain that is like whoa yeah so what i meant at that time was like you no know, sometimes initially when internet was being developed and in the context of the internet standards people were writing things for other internet users and everything was written in a way like for instance when somebody was writing an email they never thought there would be non english speaking people who are going to be using email and nobody thought that we should allow like you know non ascii characters it took 30 40 years for somebody to have in non english latin script a web address or an email because nobody on the room were really thinking that like you no know, about the rest of the people and that's where i meant like you know when you develop tech the internet really has a strong impact on people like as gay kids we know that internet had such a it was both a good thing and a bad thing it has a positive impact you found your peers you found your family on internet at mm-hmm. the same time you found hate there so it's important that that balance somehow and people do realize that internet itself is not evil like you know it's just a tool it's just like roads and water and this how people are going to use it and mold it though in current world we do realize that it's being changing but the standards are not the evil part it's the companies it's the people who are using it for the wrong purposes may i ask a loose question which is i'm going to throw some things out there and i would like to get your rea- uh, like thought on it that interview that i just quoted was 10 years ago 10 years from now what are let's say three things 
that you would like to see an effect on, whether that's standard-wise, whether that's company-wise, whether that's legislation-wise, when we're talking in this big umbrella space, which is tech. So that can be like social, that can be internet, that can be like integration with like humanity, whatever it is. What are three things that you would hope or you would want to happen or you see it going in? Uh, I would think like you know, we would get our privacy back because I think that's the most important thing in the internet these days like you know how we have just not even think about privacy as a concern uh in the sense the things that we put out and we just want like i take our stuff it's open anyway like that's the default thing that we believe in and we believe that oh we have nothing to hide but that's not true there are other people who have things to the hide mm. and it's the job of all of us to let internet be the place where people if they want to be anonymous they should be able to be anonymous. And I hope the future generation, uh, which I see them like, you know, how they are giving up on uh, apps, which doesn't provide this. And they are conscious about this. Our generation, millennial generation was all about like, what's the easiest? I'm going to just use that. <laughs> I don't care about this. And the answer when you people like, why don't you care? I have nothing to hide. Well, that's not the way. Like you have to develop your tech for even people like, you know, who's gay person in Saudi Arabia or a, mm. uh, or a person who wants to be online and still want to access things in China and without the fear of uh, this thing. So the whole potential of internet with privacy is very important. And I hope like, you know, even at ITF and the things that I do, this thing that we need to bring back. And at the same time, where we struggle with the uh, law situation is people are also brings up like, oh yeah, there's pornography and especially child pornography. And maybe we, the tech world should do more. So there is this tussle between, no, I need to look at things before it get posted versus mm -hmm. you want to be completely anonymous. And this tussle, I believe, would be the most important tussle in the next 10 years. All right, let's shift gears to our last conversation before we play some more games, which is I, rather than talk about like, which I feel like in the conversation we'll touch on, and we talked about this, like you in Beijing, did you say coming out queer experience? Was it paraphrasing? Yeah, sorry, correct me. Feel free to dive in. Just be like, nay, sab galata. <laughs> Interested to know, rather than diving into all of that and learning about you and diving into you, and we talked about this in pre-interview, which is there's so much of a positive, if I can use that word, experiences and things attached to your journey in regards to your expression of how you described your saris and your dad supporting you but then you're also working in this corporate structure which often has and in India that often has this sort of like standard or this image attached to it that people who walk like us or look like us or express like us don't belong there or shouldn't be there and I think what I'm intrigued to know is like how was that journey for you in getting to the space that you are because even as I'm talking to you have such a open light to you and a confidence to you and that takes time unless you're literally born with it and if you're born with it I want to know how do other people get it so I'm intrigued to know like how was that journey for you and are there any pivotal points that you learned a lesson from it that was like you know what it will be what it will be or this is it blah 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 so in my case not born with it uh, I had my set set of struggles yes struggles trauma <laughs> uh, any uh, I, but i actually learned the tools to survive somehow and which is somehow like you no know, maybe i feel like you no know, indian families and indian way of doing things like forget being queer just being an indian kid is hard like the kind of thing that you have to hear the jabs and this and the backhand comments and this in normal life that's just normal like forget that is true <laughs> it kind of prepares you for dealing with situations. So I go back to it and I really think that like, you know, I was a dancing kid. I heard before I even I knew my sexuality and all, I knew there was something different with me. And I had tools to like, this is what I want to do. I want to learn dancing. If people are going to fun of me, it doesn't going to matter. So I think you learn those tools very, very early on. Then you had the self uh, thing of self-realization and the self-hate. I went through it. I had this whole, but then it was more about, okay, this is it. How are we going to survive this? So you have this, okay, th this is when I'm in the engineering mindset. And I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. In fact, oh, I had a pre came out much earlier, actually. And then I went back in closet. 
explain yourself this was like i was still in uh, class 11th or 12th yeah 11th or 12th and i was in love with this boy uh, oh. and uh, told him told a few people i was that kid like you know who did all that and then realized that world is so fucking not ready for this oh god how made in heaven i'm not fucking ready for this and then i was like okay a new start at engineering i'm going to be i'm going to be straight again everything is going to be fine <laughs> i'm going to make this work this is going to be the engineering thing and i really did like those four years i was single minded like okay uh, i have to just study make something out of it get a job and then we'll figure things out and that's exactly what happens i got a job one month after landing a job uh, i was in Ch- china and one month after that i came out and i was like okay done let's let's get on this journey this thing and at work did also what i did was slowly okay there was this a few little uh, thing he started like and i just had a little diamond then maybe a nose ring then maybe a little longer hair then this so since the work people saw my journey yeah. it wasn't it made sense to them as well like okay yeah, there's somebody who's growing up and this like you know they're experimenting they're doing things and this and then after once like they are good at what they do and it shouldn't matter so yeah. like how the journey happened with me i saw the same journey people around me doing and then like this, I, i was out pretty soon at work as well not in the sense that let's bring out and they're going to be this like but people used to ask i used to give them a straight answer and not like no peter on the bush and you know how indian folks are like shaadi kab hogi bachche kab honge ye kab ho raha hai wo kab ho raha hai do you still think about those things like do you want wedding and kids like i think about it as well like as a queer non binary person as well and i'm like i i don't know i, I think i just want the wedding not the marriage <laughs> i want the gifts <laughs> no we I had want... this we had this whole plan that i was going to do like in my 40th birthday as a mehndi Yeah like just the mehndi because we're just going to do a pretend that we are getting married everyone and just get a mehndi done and that's going to be 40th my 40th was in middle of covid so it's like that didn't happen so i'm going to do it in my 50s that's my plan i must say looking at your instagram again this is just observing this whole not knowing you that much you do look like a much of a socialite like you throw quite the soirees you would throw a meme party it would have a theme it would be like very nice people would come dressed nice it it does look like you're a very sociable socialite person well, this half and half not true half and not half. 100% true i'm like one of those people who needs my own space so i would invite people and then just throw them out afterwards like i'm done <laughs> would you say i find that so hard sometimes like when i have people over i'm like abja then i was like you know okay my dog is having this thing and then i was like go go, go and start barking <laughs> <laughs> and they'll be like oh maybe it's time to go home time to done <laughs> By the way, can I just say in watching your interview and then I was like, oh yeah, your um your Instagram tagline, I think it's funny. I think it's genius. Uh, where I do have to quickly touch on it. Where did that come from? How long have you had it and do you feel like you'll change it? And also, oh, a deep question that I always ask when people say queer non-binary, where do you feel like you sit in those titles today? So, how I define myself as queer and non-binary so yeah that's how i feel i started off as gay was like this i'm a gay man this is my identity this is what i'm but slowly and slowly with my own journey i was like no i'm i would rather define myself as queer and non-binary and with non-binary i think again the same thing happened with me like you know asking myself these questions and i was like am i doing this why do i need to first like you know why don't i feel comfortable calling myself just gay mm. and like why do i need to go beyond this and things in my case it was just mainly for other people as no i'm like no, labels don't matter as much to yourself but it's like the in context of how other people are going to perceive you and especially with just defining yourself with as gay i thought like no people are not really getting the full story of who i am who what my journey is and even with my idea of like you know non binary is such a umbrella term and people use it in so many different ways for me especially the non binary thing made lot more sense especially with my how i present with my clothing and stuff and the idea being that like you know we should not worry about your identity in terms of like you know oh yeah this is for a one of those binaries like men are supposed to behave this way women are supposed to behave this way because even in the world people who ex- who are welcoming like people got the sari where they had an issue with 
was my body hair for some reason. Oh. You were like, if you have to do the sari, maybe you can just like shave off a little, get the beard off, and then it's going to be fine. I was like, why? What's why these things don't go together? Like, that was really surprising that I saw as a reaction from journal public sometimes that they were like, oh, the saris are very pretty, everything is fine, but maybe you should shave, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? what was the reason? What was the reason? I'm trying to understand. It was the binary. They were like, you have to, if you are doing this, then you have to do all the other things associated with as well. So I associate sari with femininity. Yeah. So if you're wearing saris, you have to do all of those things. They go in a package. You can't pick between the two. So for me, idea of non-binary really struck a chord in that sense yeah. uh, a lot. That for me as well, like, you know, I, that's not the most important thing about myself. As in, and I don't want to let people uh, associate like you know, uh, uh, various things with those binaries also to me. Like I'm my own person. I don't belong in those categories. I'm going to define my own world. Got it. Got it. Oh, Instagram. Yes. Instagram. This thing I heard a lot when I was like, you know, coming out, especially from like, you know, uh, some of the relatives. Like, it's like, okay, you do this, it's fine. Like, you know, you're exploring, it's fine. But why do you have to tell everyone? <laughs> so I was like, this is so true. Uh, uh, this, I'm like, I'm gonna just flip on this thing. I'm gonna imagine a world in which everybody is gay, everybody is queer, and they have to come out to me and tell me, <laughs> tell me that uh, you, oh, you're straight. Oh, so sorry for you. <laughs> it must be a struggle. Oh, and then why do you have to flaunt your like lifestyle all over my face? <laughs> Can you just do these straight things in your private bedroom and not, not tell us? <laughs> so that's how it came to be. And I was like, I'm stuck to it. It's been like, I think my tap forever. I how long are we saying? Like five years? No, much more. I've been like one of those early Instagrammers. So I think wow. I've always structure <laughs> well i look forward to what it's gonna get evolved into you are the writer you should tell me i uh, listen i need to know you in order to come up with that are you on tiktok yet or not really it's banned in india oh, yeah, my... it is. oh god damn well you can always send it to me and i can post it for <laughs> you if you want to so, like i can create your account here let's do you it. know or anybody who you have outside of india just send it to them and they'll do it for you <laughs> no, it's like uh, dealing with just Instagram is enough. Yeah. Okay, we're going to games. Yes. Games are called Super Child. Play with Rob. If you quick, by the way, everything quick, yeah, very quick. If you were a movie, what would the original title of that movie be? First thing that comes into your head. Something sorry, I'm thinking. You tell me. I do movie. Sorry. No, you're thinking too much. I know for a fact you're thinking too much. All right, let's just call it Sari. Like no, Sushmita. Not... Like no. Sushmita Sen new film is called Tali. <laughs> uh, we could we could in fact have it border and fall or something. Oh like see, there you go. There you go. All right. Give me three actors that would star in Border and Fall. Three actors. I think I'm gonna cast you. Okay. You have... So, me, so okay. me, who else? You gotta give two more actors. <laughs> Thank uh, you. you. And then who do we want? I think I want Rekha. Mm. So we want to bring out Rekha. And then we want to give somebody here. Uh, now we need a male actor. So who do we pick? Who do we pick? What's that guy's name? The younger doll. Why am I blanking? The younger doll. Yeah, this, there's Sunny doll. Then there's this one. Then there's the Abire. Yes. I want, I I want the him. Oh, okay. I swear to God, if you were going to say Tiger Shroff, I was going to pull out this film. I want the hairy ones. <laughs> okay, like, and the non-chiseled ones. Yes. <laughs> uh, okay, what would the title song of this film be? Mera border, mera fall. <laughs> mera pretty good. <laughs> mera border, mera fall, mera pretty good. <laughs> I'm so bad at this game. Oh. If you were a drink, what drink would you be? Oh, I really like this uh, new drink that I recently had. It was basically Ampana. You know Ampana? Which is like a raw mango drink. Oh, Ampana. Ampana. Yeah. Uh, with uh, tequila, chilies, red chili, a rim of red chili thingy. 
amazing. So it's extremely sour. Yeah. Should we do doing this? Yeah. Then do it. <laughs> working. That's my drink. And the, okay. it was called something mango something raw mango something. I'm forgetting the name. So something. It's okay. It's okay. I like it. People, if you're listening to this and if you make it, let us know. Um, if you were a food, what cuisine and dish would you be? If I'm a food, I think I'll go back to uh. Chinese. There's this Chinese thing, kumpao chicken, yeah. which has nuts because they are like crunchy, spicy, sweet, sour, something like that. Yeah. Explanations not needed, but thank you. <laughs> if you were a dessert, what dessert would you be? I think that that one I need to be gajar ka halwa. I need to be extremely sweet. If you were a color, what color would you be? Yellow. If you were a flower or plant, which one and what type? Uh, I'll be a flower and I'll be a lotus and I'm going to take my lotus back from the other evil people. If you were a clothing item, what would you be? Oh, next. Pants. <laughs> Pants <Start>. and petticoat. <laughs> All right. The next one. Have you ever, uh, is the next section. Have you ever hmm. hooked up with a fellow worker or someone in a close circle. I usually say fellow artist or admirer. Actually, let's do admirer because you do have admirers on Instagram and co-worker. So co-worker, yes. Follower, no. Okay, okay. Have you ever flirted to get ahead? No. Have you ever joined the Mile High Club or done anything intimate public? Yes. Peed while swimming. And last is what would you rather? Cookies or cake? Cake. Rich or fame? Fame. Netflix or Prime? Netflix. Dogs or cats? Dog. <laughs> Jalebi or gulab jamun? Jalebi. Maggie noodles or let's say, uh, ooh, dal. Maggie. Fairy tales or mythological stories or real life stories? Mythological. World peace or equality? Equality. Nice, nice. All right. So what have you learned about me based on these answers? Well, I really wanted to also get into Bollywood, but we don't have time. We really don't. Actually, we could play best or worst quickly. All right, best or worst actor according to you. Let's do most overrated and underrated actor according to you. These things are hard. Like, I really need to think about them. Jaldina. Oh, ah. Give me options and then I'll pick. I'm I haven't got options because I don't know who, what movies you watch now. <laughs> okay, overrated would be definitely Salman Khan. Like, don't care for him at all. Underrated. Underrated, I really have to think. Oh, I do like this guy recently. Uh, what's his name? I'm bad at names. Move on. What, a... Describe a film that he's in and then maybe we'll know through that. It was this show, uh, uh, the Guns and Gulab thing. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I watched it. Um, I, I don't know who you're talking about, but I've watched it. Tell the main, me go, main person in that one. So yeah, I was like very good actor. Yeah. Okay. Well, most overrated and underrated film, according to you. Underrated is Bazaar. Overrated would be, I think, like, you know, every hit movies, which I haven't watched in a while. That's why I'm so blanking. I'm, like, against Bollywood these days. So I'm not really why watching. Like, I'm done. Like, I'm taking a break. Like, what was the last film you watched? It's been a while, seriously. I haven't watched anything in a theater. Oh, the last one that I watched is actually my brother's story. I have two elder brothers. One of them uh, went through uh, uh, something like a liver transplant ages ago. Mm -hmm. So they made a movie about his life and his life story is actually like, you know, extremely filmy. Mm -hmm. So he got sick. My brother, they are twins. So they had this whole twins angle going. Then my brother met my bhabhi, who was the nurse at the time when they were, he was getting operated at the, like, you know, the, your lowest point in your life. Yeah. That's where the story started. And then they moved to US and then the donor the donor was the person, the son of the person in the hospital whose job is to convince other people to donate organs. Oh. So it was like the uh, angle of like, you know, uh, like convincing people that they should donate uh, organs. It's good. Yeah, for yeah, you. yeah. Love story, brother angle. It's extremely filmy. And finally, they did make a movie out of it. Right now, the movie... Uh, actually came, uh, came out in uh, in India. Like, you know, they had a theater release and this, so that was the last theater thing that I watched. 
And why am I blanking by the oh, name the of name? Because you're not good at names. Remember you I said that? Uh, remembering names. <laughs> All right. Quick, quick responses to this as you Google the thing. I'm just A Zindagi. It's called A Zindagi. Life finds a way. A Zindagi. A. A Zindagi. A. Zindagi. A Zindagi. Oh, I'll put it in the bio if you send it to me. All right. <laughs> Quick questions. These are the last ones that are left. What's your favorite part of the job? My favorite part of the job is actually conferencing. I really like, like, because I'm sort of work at home. Mm. So you don't really interact with too many people. But yeah. then when I get to these conferences where there are thousands of people, I actually like that. Like, you know, once in a while you really go get into it, interact with all these people. So that's, that's the part which I like. Love it. Um, I think you would like to impart on somebody else, but you were never told. Question everything. Um, what is a uh, words of wisdom? If you looked in the mirror right now, words of wisdom to your mirror self. Uh, increase your memory. Take your memory pill because you keep forgetting things. You're getting old. Do something. <laughs> Guys, one thing you would like for people to take away with them after having met you for a very short amount of time. Or having known you even for a long amount of time. That like, you know, self-love is the most important thing. Like, I don't think so you can love anybody until you love yourself. Oh, okay. That is a RuPaul quote if I ever heard one. Well, the next sections are my favorite sections, which is everybody rubs a rant. You get to rant about everything and anything you want. However, it's 30 seconds you get to rant for. And you must include the following words in it. You can either start your rant with what the chai or end your rant with what the chai. Do you feel like you have something to rant about? Well, of course we can rant about chai latte. Uh, and you rant about whatever you want to. People have ranted about politics. People have ranted about actors' stories. People on the tube. You rant about whatever you want. Don't feel like it has to be chai related. Ready? Chai related. Okay, we'll do it. Dhruvji. This yes. is your what the chai go. So what's with the whole chai latte thing? Like every time you go and like, you know, everybody's doing, oh, I'm doing this chai. It's just chai. Can we just do just chai and not say chai tea or chai latte or chai other things? It's just damn chai. And when we are talking about chai, unless you are adding masala to your chai, are you really chaiing? Do you not understand things? Add some masala. Don't give me basic chai. You can do basic chai on your own time. When I'm in your life. That's it. That's Thank you so much. And my last question to you is this. I'm obsessed with joyfulness this uh, in this chapter of my life. I want to ask you the following question, which is what is one thing that makes you feel joyful? And what is one thing you do for others that makes them feel joyful? Yes. So what, where I do, do find joy is uh, like, you know, saris, of course. And like, you know, thinking about them and like, you know, pairing them and sort of like having a journey and thinking about them, not just like, you know, sari is not just something that you wear. There is things about it. So that brings me joy. What I want to do for other people and which I, I think I should do more is sort of like when people ask me on Instagram and other people, I do want to take some time off and actually have conversation. And especially on DMs, I know like, you know, I wish I would have known somebody like me when I was a kid. Mm. And I think that would have such an important impact on people. So I do want to take time off and do more of and give people, especially in the tech world as well, that like, you know, you can't, you don't have to be a particular way or mold yourself to the environment around you, but instill mold the environment according to your needs. And mm. that's what I want to do and pass on to other people as well. And be surrounded by companies that encourage that because like kudos to your company that has done that because a lot of other companies would get like HR involved and have standards in regards to what you can wear, how you should dress and things like that. So, yeah. yeah. And it's weird that this is the one company which doesn't have a DNI arm, which doesn't do pride, which doesn't do any of those things. And which is like how in the West we sort of associate a company which is liberal in its way. But sometimes there is this thing about the Eastern liberalism, which is different in a way that it's, I think sometimes may, maybe sometimes more meaningful as well, if you think about it. Yeah, because I, I do think diversity and inclusion for the sake of diversity and inclusion, is that really doing anything? Whereas just allowing it mm. to be. Exactly. And not making a big deal out of it. 
Well, everyone, that brings us to the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed that. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe so you never miss out. And don't forget to rate and comment on whichever platform you're listening this episode on. You can also become a patron and a supporter of the show by subscribing for as small as £5 or as I love saying, $5.50 on Patreon. I will put the information of the artist on the episode and any of the links in the description of this episode, so make sure to check that out. But as of now, I will leave you as I always do. Breathe in and breathe out. Namaskar, which means now I must go. That is copyrighted and I will sue. (laughs) Until next time, stay curious.